You're listening to Things That Matter with your host, Dr. Mamzal Dolphin. In this episode, I interviewed Daniel Coles, who is a phenomenal educator. Daniel, welcome. Well, I'm glad to be here. Um, Daniel, I'm sure you realize that um, these days teaching has become predominantly female profession. Hmm. Given the fact that you are a male, I am very curious as to why you have decided to, or you decided to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, um, I never saw uh, education as a female profession. Uh, in fact, um, when I was uh, going through, um, you know, elementary, specifically middle school and high school, um, most of my teachers were men. So I never associated. Uh, Teaching, although I think some of my most impressionable teachers were the the women teachers that I had in elementary school, but I never thought of it as a female, um, uh, well, as as a female sort of dominated, uh, you know, uh, industry, so to speak. Um, So it was only I think once I had actually became a teacher here in New York City, and um, sort of began to. Uh, work in different environments that I actually understood that uh, most of the teachers in the system are actually women and white women to be uh, uh, more specific. My first school, I mean I was much more conscious about race, right? So um, my first school that I worked in, I was one of two um, black men in that school. We were the first two black men actually work in that school and it was in the Bronx. So that shocked me actually. Um, but uh, my mentor teachers were both uh, were both male, and again, and there were you know there were I would say maybe almost half the teachers. It seems I mean as I'm remembering, maybe half the teachers in that school were men, um, at least a significant number. Again, I mean I I, I think it, part of it was because of my own educational experience. Mm-hmm. So quite honestly, you look at higher education, it is dominated by men. Right, so it's not higher education is not considered a girly job, right? I mean, there are far more men who teach it, and that's economics, right? I mean, I think it's it's much more about um, the uh, you know compensation associated uh, with teaching, and quite honestly, probably the prestige as well. My middle school and high school, which was a private school I went to in Cleveland, but there were all men in those. All, all, all of those men were our teachers, you know, from you know, all, all the major subjects, you know, social studies, science, all of those teachers uh, were male for me. And um, I sort of equate that with uh, these men who had started teaching probably in the 60s, you know, early 70s, and, and then it was much more, I'm going to say, um, uh, I want to say sort of respectful, but I think the status associated with the job was um, one that uh, still carried some prestige with it. But as more women entered that profession, probably the pay <laughs> did not rise, the pay didn't go up, and, um, and it became to, became to be seen as a, as a profession that was less valued. And therefore, you know, men who did not go into it and men were actually seeking jobs probably in um, higher paying areas. I think that the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, I think it was in uh, 2015, he um, created this program, NYC Men Teach, 
Mm-hmm. And it was basically right. so that they can um, hire more right. minority, like a Hispanics, mm-hmm. Blacks, mm-hmm. and, and Asian. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I want to answer this question. You kind of hinted at it, but I want to answer the question directly. I mean, as a two things. As a male, what did what do you think that you you brought to the table as a male teacher that the female teacher did not bring? And mm-hmm. also as a male black teacher. Mm-hmm. What do you think that you brought to the table that the female, let's say a female white teacher? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's hard to, on one level, I think it's hard to generalize. I mean, but um, clearly, right, uh, students, both female, both, I would say both, um, you know, uh, girl students and boy students need to see different and have different kinds of teachers right in their um, in their school environments uh, and so I think for the boys um, I think um, they need to have uh, a different representations of teachers right different kinds of teachers uh, in their in their classrooms or that they're actually sort of learning from um, and uh, learning with so so I just say I would just say just by uh, sort of modeling um, and uh, my say my approach, the way I may uh, deliver curriculum, the way I may the content I may include, you know, um, or choose to right choose to include or highlight. Uh, students need that variety, right? And I think you know, male, boy, boys, boys, um, um, and both boys and girls. I think boys in, in particular need. Um, reflections of themselves, right, um, in the classroom, in the schools, uh, in order to uh, receive a sort of education, I think, in terms of uh, what it means to be, you know, uh, a, a man, or what it means to be um, um, a black and male, what it means to be, uh, you know, what, what I say, just urban, or lo- lots of different kinds of uh, experiences with, or I'm saying learning opportunities with different kinds of, of teachers is, is essential. As far as being black, I think that, you know, when you look at uh, the New York City student population, which is, I think, approaching about 70% um, of black and brown students, right, to have an overwhelmingly uh, white teaching force is, um, is extremely problematic. Uh, I was actually in a, um, a, meeting recently, a training recently, and one of the questions that came up was about like what kind of environment, classroom environment, do you as an educator set for your, create for your students? And it was a clear um, distinction between the, uh, many of the educators of color in the classroom, uh, or in this, or in this meeting, who for them um, emphasized uh, the relationships that they established with students that was a fundamental part of kind of of, of the, the environment that they created whereas you know several of the um, of our white colleagues de-emphasized that um, there were questions about well um, you know do I um, do, am, I, am I preparing these students for the world of work right or the world of business and that world is a particular kind of world which is different Right from um, you know me creating an environment where let's say it's you know based on relationships and that kind of thing, 
And for me, that was a little alarming because um, in my culture, my sort of cultural experience, relationships are key, right? And you almost, um, it's almost like you, you, you know, I think relationships are almost as important as uh, maybe tasks that are getting done, right? Or maybe content that I'm learning, right? Uh, so, so that to me uh, was a clear indication of a disconnect, right, between uh, those who, uh, educators who um, are inside the schools and are working with, I would say, black and brown children and their understanding of uh, maybe what it takes to, I would say, motivate students, uh, give them a sense of belonging, you know, give them a sense of um, being a part of the community, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think creating a, um, uh, an academic environment and a school environment where students can be successful. So that's, yeah, kind of a, a distinction I see. It's interesting that you mentioned that uh, you feel that the relationship is, 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 is important because part of the discussion, discourse about um, trying to hire more, uh, let's say, black, black men, mm-hmm. um, efforts um, on the way have actually run into some sort of problems because some of these black teachers have decided to actually quit and they feel uncomfortable because right. they have to be the disciplinarian. Well, no, I, I've heard a lot of that. I mean, and I mean, it's interesting because, uh, right, I mean, the uh, last time I remember looking at uh, sort of data or hearing some research around that, it's actually in terms of new teachers who turn over, um, you know, black and brown teachers turn over at a higher rate, right, in terms of being new teachers. And yes, I heard that very same thing you mentioned about particularly black males being put in the roles of dean and disciplinarian. Um, There was a part of me that actually felt or sort of welcomed the opportunity to engage students who were maybe struggling or challenging because I felt like, you know, I had... uh, um, perhaps a sense of connection or I had sort of an ability to try to you know talk to students in a way um, that could maybe um, in which you know we can maybe communicate on a different level right and sort of try to resolve some things but um, the larger issue for me and I think you know it's, it's, it's part of your question is I actually did not think that many of the schools that I was working in or recruited by I mean, they, they said they wanted black teachers, or they said they wanted black male teachers, but they really did not want a black male teacher, right? And what I mean by that is they had a whole set of ways of which they felt like they understood how to sort of manage students or deal with students that was completely, um, you know, antithetical and opposite of how I would actually interact and engage students. So I knew like, they really did not want me uh, in, in, in that school environment. They had a version or an idea of, of what they thought should actually be happening in that environment. And they wanted a sort of a black person to come in and fulfill right, that, that desire. Um, but you know, to me, the, much of the construct, right, much of the I'm going to say your sort of social environment and maybe academic environment that had been created in schools was not one that I actually felt um, was conducive for a lot of black and brown students who were there. And uh, so they did not want um, me to come in and, um, and I think, you know, uh, uh, 
um, to you know act upon or implement the my understanding of of um, you know how to create an academic and sort of I'm going to say uh, you know be a, a behavioral environment for students that I thought would be um, successful. If you have to choose maybe three things that you think actually need to take place mm. for not just diversity but sustainable diversity, that is, you have people of color coming in, men in particular, and have them stay. What are some of the things that mm. you think would have to happen um, for that to take place? Well, I think that um, one is they have to really sort of give up control and give up sort of. Uh, an ownership or an idea that they actually know one what they're doing or actually what the outcome should be or what the environment should be like so what I'm saying is that um, you know I remember an interview I had at a school with a white uh, principal who was sort of a newish principal she had never been a classroom teacher she had sort of been a teaching artist before and they were having trouble with the male students. Um, and I think it was primarily uh, a Latino population. But as I was sort of um, listening to this woman who was in a position to hire me and give me a job, I, I was wondering, like, why are you in a position to actually give me a job in this community? I mean, because it's clear to me that she had no experience in that community and no real understanding of what the students actually needed. She was trying to figure it out. And so for me, if you actually want to bring in uh, a significant number of, um, you know, male teachers and two environment black male teachers, you know, uh, you know, Latino teachers, you really need to um, sort of back up and ask the folks coming in, what is our best approach here? Right. What what should we do to sort of create, you know, what are your ideas about creating an environment? What do you think? is gonna work with these students. Um, and you know, you can have students be a part of that conversation as well. But I mean, to me, that's step one. I mean, I, it, it's, it's clear to me that this idea that somehow, you know, infusing this system as it's currently set up with more, um, you, know, uh, you know, male teachers or say black and brown male teachers or black and brown teachers, period, when those are the ones who are leading the system at the highest rate, um, the, 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 the system needs to change, right? So that's what I'm saying. You asked me for three things. But that, that's the first thing that needs to happen is they need to actually understand and relinquish I would, what I would say is sort of power and control and really open up a dialogue about what needs to happen here in order to make, um, to make our school work. Uh, that's the first thing. Um, I also think that they need to really um, be open to... Um, I'm going to say changing and looking at content. Um, so much of the content uh, that students uh, are being forced to take is joyless. Um, and it's, uh, I think, uninspiring and it does not speak to um, maybe who they are. And I'm going to say sort of a reality in the world. Uh, and so I think that they need to see, really think about, you know, you know, what content are we going to center in a way that really um, speaks to the students, you know? Um, so, yes, I think content is, um, is another uh, area that 
they really need to um, to look at. You talked about the content being joyless. What do you mean by this? Well, I mean, you know, there's such an emphasis on, um, uh, you know, this sort of, um, you know, when you get at the answer, like, what are we educating students for? What are we educating them to do? And I think that there's a real... Um, emphasis right on basically I think yeah much of what's happening now seems as if we're churning out students for a particular sort of marketplace um, you know we want them to have um, and I'm gonna say skills that aren't even um, that that just seem they seem more um, uh, you know indirected in a way or sort of goal directed and what I mean by that is that um, uh, yeah, they're more sort of. I mean, it, it, I think it's 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 great to give students. I'm thinking about like schools that had automotive programs, right, and where students could actually, you know, come in and, and learn that skill and, and 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 go out and do their thing, which is wonderful. Um, but at the same time, I'm just questioning about um, this idea of developing uh, whole human beings and. We're not really doing that. I mean, when you look at the sort of emphasis and how we've really narrowed the curriculum so that there's an emphasis on which is the math, you know, we got to make sure that you know, the math scores are here and the, you know, English and the writing scores are here um, and, you know, whatever we need to do or whatever we need to eliminate to sort of make those things happen um, is a real crime. It's a crime against a certain set of students because not all students experience school in that way. Um, and what I mean by that is that... Um, you know, children who are out in, um, you know, suburban school districts or more, you know, affluent school districts, they have a whole wealth of things that they can engage in throughout the day. Um, whereas um, in the schools I've taught in, you know, like I say, the curriculum's been narrowed so much. Um, students from 8 o'clock to, you know, 3 o'clock or, you know, 4 o'clock um, are on a clock. You know, and it's like they are, um, you know, being, um, you know, uh, pushed, you know, with a sense of urgency around sort of learning this um, particular, you know, set of skills and curriculum without having the opportunity to find out who they are um, in school. And I think that's a very important um ingredient and element to school and you find out who you are by having a variety of activities to engage in so whether that's you know I have a semester of spinning pots you know and doing ceramics you know or I have an opportunity to go and um, you know just like you just a free free gym period right or I have you know opportunity to you know be a part of this band or you know um, you know singing here you know all different sorts of of ways in which students can, um, uh, you know, join the magazine or you know, photography or what have you, but all these different ways that students begin to appreciate and value and validate themselves and and and, and affirm their uh, different talents and skills in a school environment have been taken away uh, from a certain set of students. Would you like to share why you? ultimately decided to step out of the, the classroom. Oh, 
Just, no, I mean, just give us a brief description. No, well, my brief description was, I mean, I realized I could no longer walk into the school and be who I am. I mean, that's the brief description, you know. Um, and, right, that, that's the brief description. I realized I could not show up and uh, sort of say, sort of, you know, be who I am, speak my truth. Um, there were too many things that I was... Um, being discouraged from doing, I think, and in, in, in my mind, I'm sort of engaging in students, uh, engaging with students in a, in a supportive way, in a challenging, you know, maybe challenging them way, um, but that was just no longer possible for me to do. So um, I was not happy, uh, you know, doing that, and I had to actually, um, yeah, just not not do that anymore. Um, so I realize that you're also involved in. Um
interact with those people based on that information in a productive, you know, uh, sort of healthy way. So that was sort of my first engagement with it. And then, um, right, I got involved with um, an organization. Um, but essentially, that journey has continued for me, right? Is the more I have learned, the more I have sort of practiced, um, you know, understanding what's going on with me and being able sort of to manage my feelings around those what's going on with me and how that uh, will uh, influence my interaction with other people has made my relationships uh, so, you know, uh, uh, healthier, uh, how to deal better with conflict, right? All the models that I had around conflict were, um, as we see, uh, they sort of um, exaggerated, or I'm saying grotesque version in our uh, president right now, right? Is this sort of, uh, you know, bully, might makes right, you know, uh, you know uh, hyper-masculinity and violence. I mean, so all of these sort of models that I had um, that would lead me to a path of unhappiness, you know, I realized I got to um, find a, a better way and a healthier way um, to actually deal with, you know, conflict and, um, and challenges. So, so I was able to, yeah, I was able to do that. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, really being able to integrate those things into your personal relationships um, and to have a way of thinking about, um, you know, how you're relating to yourself and relating to other people in a um, helpful way, uh, you know, a productive way um, has really, um, you know, it's, it's opened a lot of doors. I mean, I feel like it's, it's sort of raised the, you know, um, level of my own consciousness, you know, around around that. Uh, if you like to take a, a deep breath, <laughs> as it's done when you're, when you're working on social emotional learning <laughs> issues. Um, so, I also would like you to share with us, um, you know, some things that you do um, in terms of the, your involvement in the theater, because you talked earlier about um, building community. Is mm -hmm. this a way in which you, you build community? Yeah, no, theater is all about community. I mean, it's all about uh, conversation, right, and sort of a, a dialogue and um, through, through story and through st storytelling. And um, and it's also about self-exploration. So theater for me was always about being a part of uh, a community, I'm going to say, a sort of family of, of, of people working on um, a you know, creative act, you know, an imaginative act, or I say the act of imagination that uh, I've always found... Um, exhilarating and meaningful. Uh, one of the ways in which I started working in education was uh, teaching uh, theater to young people. Um, and I think one of the clues for me with working with students who had been uh, labeled, uh, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, sort of, you know, less talented and um, unsuccessful or um, you know, stigmatized, right, by maybe the, the, the school that they were um, located in, 
um, this sort of neighborhood of the school, or this sort of city school. One of the big keys for me was like when I would go and visit those schools and see how much, you know, pure creativity, joy, uh, I'm going to say um, um, sort of um, uh, 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 with it, sort of throwing, throwing, throwing themselves into it with a, an abandonment when I would sort of experience kids and students in this way. And, and then I sort of, you know, compare it to um, more um, schools that had more resources, right? Um, that actually may have had a theater department, right? <laughs> a sort of theater wing. And I would see the, the, the contrast, right, in terms of what um, the students uh, who were in these, uh, these uh, communities that were not, you know, did not have those resources. You know, it would always, I would, it would always, it's stuck in my mind, right, that those students actually, um, in the less resourced communities, actually had an abundance of talent and, and gifts. So it was really just about um, them having an actual opportunity that was, in, that was equal, in, in a sense, in order for them to be able to realize, you know, uh, their potential. Daniel, it has been wonderful. And well, thank you. I want to thank you so much for taking the time <laughs> to share with us this um, wonderful um, experience, and I hope that you continue your journey. Well, I certainly will. I thank you uh, for inviting me to express and share uh, my thoughts on these various topics. It has really been um, wonderful to do that with you, so thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And that wraps it up for this episode of Things That Matter. This is your host, Dr. Adolphine. Tune in next time.